a lot of us, how many of you guys, just out of curiosity, has been in church the majority of your life? Raise your hand. Okay. And I, I think that's a lot of, I mean, that's cool to see the hands up. It saddened me a little bit to see the hands not, you know, up like that. Does anybody know I would say that? Because you always want rooms full of like, I just recently got saved, you know, and that's exciting too. But I, at the same time, it's cool when we grow up in church. But the thing about growing up in church is we get so comfortable with a lot of the things that we've learned. Okay, like on Sunday, I'm, I'm doing Hebrews 11, verse 30 and 31. And, and I know nobody off the top of the year had to go, oh, that's whatever. But let me just tell you, it's the story of Jericho. But in Hebrews 11, the story of Jericho is not that it preaches in, in Hebrews 11, 30 and 31. It's not about Jericho. There's a name mentioned in verse two. Then you're like, what? Like, wait, wait a minute, that's not about Joshua. It wasn't, it wasn't even about Joshua. It was about something else. So it's, it's fun to get into it and say, let's not talk about Jericho, even though we're going to study the story of Jericho and see what it's actually about. And, and I want to kind of do that with this. And just so you know, some of the themes of these two messages that I'm doing tonight and then doing then on Sunday are going to kind of overlap a little bit. <clears throat> so audience participation a little bit here. Who can tell me your favorite Bible character or somebody that you read and inspires you and why? The reason why I say that in, in, when it comes to this, there's some characters that we don't associate with the actual reason that they're in the Bible. I'm, I, and I know sometimes we, let, let me give you an example of this. When, when you think about Samson in the Bible, what do you think about? But I think we think of Delilah. You know, actually, when you say the story, let's talk about Samson and our words in Delilah. You know what I'm saying? You naturally go to that and stuff. But I, I think when we say Jonah, we think of Jonah and... But we don't say Jonah and Nineveh. We don't say Jonah and Nineveh. But the thing is, we start associating him with his failure rather than with his purpose. And, and that's why I want to just take this for a minute because uh, he, he, everything that we're reading is about his purpose. And, and today we're just going to study the perspective of being restored. And, but it's not how he started. Oh, no, it was how he started. I mean, Jonah was a prophet of God. And then we, we know, let me just catch you up. If, if anybody's new and hasn't been in here, he was running from God. We know that hit bottom. God speaks to his heart. God changes him. Jonah starts praying. Who can tell me when Jonah started praying? When the storm came and they were, they were you know, they said we're about to go under, right? That's when he prayed? No. no. Isn't that when we should pray? <laughs> But he still wasn't broken. He's like, we're going to go wander. Who is your God? I serve the God of this. Why aren't you praying to him? Yeah, why, why are you not on your hands and knees begging God, save us in the middle of this problem? But that's not what he was doing. Jo Jonah was like, throw me overboard. It's like, man, you'd rather be thrown overboard than to get on your knees and say, God, I'll go wherever or whatever. So when did Jonah pray? In the belly of the whale. So literally, when he hit bottom, and I think sometimes God allows us to hit bottom, to break us, to wake us, to, to get us back on course. It, and, I, and I said this before, and I'm not right, trying to just reiterate everything that we said or re-preach it or whatever. Sometimes the people we're praying for have not turned back to God yet because they've not yet hit bottom. And we use the illustration of the prodigal son. When did he get up and run back to his father? When he was in, not just in the pig pen, when he was eating in the pig pen. 
Uh, when he had spent all, blown everything out of proportion and things like that. And then we start seeing this outpouring, and we'll revisit this a little bit. There's kind of a, this is a weird lesson. We'll get to it. But I just think it sets up next week's lesson really good. God shows him grace. I, I told you guys, if we, were to, if we were to label and give the name of the whale a name, what, what would it be? Be grace. We wouldn't say that. We would, because I said if it was the wrath of God, what, what, what would God have sent? He would have just sent the shark. <laughs> like, wrong, you, you ran from me, you're dead. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But God sent a rescuer. God sent a submarine. That's what God did. God's, in the middle of a storm, God sent this, and it was grace. Now, I'm sure he wasn't in there, you know, singing amazing grace. He wasn't in there saying how awesome this was. But truly, in the reality of that situation, God was using a horrible thing to get his attention, to bring him low, to to open up his eyes. God greatly desires to give second chances. Even the prophet of God, like Jonah, needed grace, just like anybody out in the world that is messed up in sin. God greatly desired to restore Jonah because God has a plan for Jonah. So the question is, what is the plan? I mean, think about what is... What is the big picture of this whole story? And that's where I, I kind of alluded to is like, instead of Jonah and the whale, let's start talking about Jonah and Nineveh, because that's the point of the story. And that's what I, I want to get into. And so uh, I, I'm not getting off, but I just need you guys to help me with something for a minute. Think about before you got saved. Now, for some of us, okay, I, I don't have this deep story that I could go into and in telling you how... I lived on the streets after, you know, selling drugs to, I, don't, I just don't have that kind of story. And I praise God for that, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying, man, I wish I had that story. I thank God for being raised in a Christian home and the fact that God saved. But think about what life was like before you got saved. And, and I know for some of you, it might be, yeah, I, I was a horrible person and all I did was cheat and rob and do this, all these other things. And some of it was just, I grew up in church and I was apathetic and I went through the motions until God got a hold of my life and it became real in that moment. That's more of my story right there is, is just what God did. But I, I think for a lot of people, they're, they're never truly satisfied. That's one of those things. It's, it's you know, we, we talk about why people do the things that they do in life. And I, and I know I sound like a broken record with some of these things. We get so upset when it doesn't make sense to me when somebody will stick a needle in their vein that they bought on the street to get high on something. I'm thinking, why would you, do you not? Do you not see the, what happens? I mean, like, are you, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? But I think that we've forgotten what it's like to be lost. Because I, I, we're saved so much that I'm satisfied. I, I, have, I have God, I have purpose, I have, I have peace, all those. Take, take somebody that doesn't have those things. And, and they're going through depression or going through a divorce or they're going, finding out that their spouse is cheating on them or they find out they're their kids or being picked on in school and there's nothing they can do. They find out that they're, they're broke and they're so far behind that they're, they're going to lose everything and they're, they're, they're scared to death. So something's like in their mind of doing drugs, alcohol, blah, 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 whatever, all the bad things that we talk about, was, it's not them saying, I want to make things worse. It's like, I'm so desperate I would do anything to numb this feeling. But see, we forget what the lost go through to be trapped, to, to feel guilty all the time, to, to not know your purpose, and you ask them, why are you here? What are you here for? 
But then one day, each and every one of us, we were introduced to, to Christ. You met Jesus. You found forgiveness. You found purpose. All right. This is audience participation tonight. Okay. How many of you, by survey, was saved in a form of a church service? Raise your hand. Okay. It's probably half. How many of you were saved by a personal interaction with somebody that somebody sat down and led you to Christ? Okay. That's a good thing. Uh, how many of you were saved by something being televised, like uh, radio, TV, or something like that? Anybody like that? Okay, that's cool. So each one of us have that. But the, the point is, when you were lost, some way, somehow, either a pastor or a church, an evangelist, a friend, somebody brought you the gospel. That, that's the point. And I know you guys are already knowing, oh, I, I get where he's going with all this. You know, it's like... God was looking at the hearts of any of us saying, I want them to know me. That, that's, that's what we're, we're not, we're, we're over, we're, we're not seeing as we go through this. Have you ever thought that the story of Jonah was not about Jonah at all? And I said, it's not about the whale, but really, it's not even about Jonah. It was all about Nineveh. That was from the beginning. So let's review a little bit. And I'm going to tie all these pieces together just because I want you to see this visually. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, you know, Jonah ran from God and everything, all these things after this. But if the heart of this story is verse 2, arise and go to Nineveh. That, that, it, that was the whole thing. The whole book of Jonah, if we were to study it and say, what was this about? Arise and go to Nineveh. I, 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 want you to, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. And their wickedness is what separates them from God. And I think sometimes we think of wickedness, wickedness, I don't know what I just said, wickedness being one of those things that just irritates God and makes God mad at us. Have you ever thought that wickedness is one of those things that separates us from him? That, that what breaks his heart is the fact is I want them to know me and I want them to be close to me and they're not. Go to Nineveh and cry against it. The story of Nineveh was about the people, the story of Jonah was about the people of Nineveh. And their great need from God. That's what that's spelling out. Uh, that there was men in Nineveh that didn't know God. There was men in Nineveh that didn't know how to raise their families. There was men in Nineveh that was doing dumb things and, and, and aimlessly going through life that didn't have purpose. Uh, there was people in Nineveh that God knew that would be potential evangelists. There was people in Nineveh that God knew that would be future uh, prophets and, and leaders and teachers and evangelists that would one day have a story that would say, one day this crazy guy named Jonah walked into our city and began to preach. And man, we all thought he was crazy, but something got, got a hold of my heart. And we began to turn our, he our hearts back to God. I mean, it's, that, that, that's what this was all about. We, we forget sometimes that lost people are hopeless without Jesus. Uh, so, and this is where I said I'm kind of getting off, but I'm not. So just hang with me. But think of this all in context of Jonah. Uh, if, if we're talking about Nineveh, okay, think of Nineveh, Romans 10, 14, Nineveh. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We, we could put it like this, how, Jonah, how are they going to know unless you go? How, how are they ever going to break the bondage, look up to me, Stop bowing to idols. How are they ever going to do this unless we go? And then he says in verse 15, he says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, 
I, I, th I think when God looks at Nineveh, the same way that God looks at America, he sees struggling dads, he, he sees struggling college students, he sees young people cutting themselves because they don't know how to deal with the pain. He sees that, that woman that lost her husband or that mom that feels alone. And God was like going to Jonah and saying, you're the messenger. That's, that I just need you to carry it to them and I'll take care of all the details of that. You are the messenger. You were, you were created to please God. You were pre created for a purpose. And I'm telling you guys, know that you, if you were created for a specific thing, you will never find fulfillment doing anything other than what God created you to be. And I'll explain that here in a minute. And God had a plan for them. So God was literally telling Jonah, I have, uh, Jonah, verse 1, Jonah 1, 1, I have you, and they need me. Connect the dots. That's what he was like. But just like Jonah, we get afraid. You just say, why are so many people not rich then? Now, now the whole, the, the, I, I labeled this thing from running to revival, from running to God to revival. That's what we're talking about. Because God's about to do a great work in Nineveh. But I'm telling you right now that God could do a lot of great things even in America if we would what? Just go to him. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, and I know we're like, Jonah, you're a bad guy. You got, got a lot of trouble and did a lot of bad things. And God's looking at us going, what are you doing? You're not going either. You're, I mean, you've got neighbors, friends, relatives, people that, co-workers, people on the other side of the cubicle, people that you stand, and, and, and you're nervous about telling them because you're afraid. And if you remember our first lesson, that's when in Jonah, because he knew their wickedness and he knew the people and he knew how, and we went into some of the details of how messed up they were. And I think in our minds, we just, we run the other direction. We're afraid. So let me, let me just touch on this, and then we'll, we'll illustrate it, and then we'll go right back to the story. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is the biggest picture of what we're studying. It's more than you were created to go and tell people. No, it's a matter of you were created in the image of God for a relationship with God. That is true with Jonah. It's true with the people of Nineveh. It's the people that you work with. It's true of people that your kids go to school with. You were created by God. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I, you, you were premeditated. You were part of God's plan. You mattered to God. So that means that God knows that if we were meant to be with God and we're not with God, God's plan is to fix that because that's where we find our purpose. You were created for God, not just for purpose. And I think we run to that oftentimes, and I'll get to that in a minute. But you were created for God for pleasure. God likes you. God liked the people of Nineveh. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God enjoys us. God enjoys my prayers. You know, I've had discussions a lot with a lot of people because, you know, it's just struggling with prayer or just understanding prayer. And people come to me asking about prayer, and, and I go to people asking about prayer. And part of the thing is not just about asking God for things. It's just a matter of God loves to talk to us. I mean, that's, that's one of the single most basic things about us. You, you were created for his pleasure. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are their works. Uh, as you might not, every aspect of who I am and who you are, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made literally mean distinctly made by the, the hands of God intentionally. 
And uh, I'll illustrate this here in a minute. But sometimes we try to be down on ourselves because we're not like other people. We try to think that we're not as good enough or, you know, we, we can't talk like other people or we don't communicate like other people. Or we don't look like other And you guys, these are true things. And I, I think social media and Instagram and everything has really messed up the next generation of the comparison game of thinking that I'm not good enough. But if God made you a certain way, here's the thing. And whether you guys like it or not, God made me bald and God thinks I'm beautiful. I, I just that, hey, I'm telling you, Tom, we're a part of that club. You know, it's just like, and, you know, for, I, I shouldn't even tell this story. I, I should not because it's going to come back to bite me, I know. I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, when I started losing my hair, I went and visited Hair Club for Men. Wow. I did. I know some of you are going to think, but I had really nice hair. I mean, when... I could show you my high school graduation pictures and things like that. I had, I had really nice hair, and, and I, I struggled losing that. I, I really did, and I just remember watching it literally go down the drain, and yeah, it really did, and I, I, I struggled with that. I just remember making an appointment of going, and just I went to this guy, and I said, I need you to rescue my hair. I need, I need, <laughs> I need whatever this is, but I, I think we try to find our identity or our purpose and what other people think or how other people view us. And, that, and that's a thing that we're in culture and society today. Um, I mean, why do you think that they will put inside Target and these other places a name brand named after a celebrity or after somebody? It's, it, this is how they dress and this is how they look and this is how you can be cool and we try to keep up with that. We can be down on our kids, but we struggle with that. Uh, but, but it's, we're wonderfully made. Can we just look at this? The word wonderfully made means distinguished. That God made us distinguished. That God made every one of us different on purpose. Uh, and I, I, I think that I want to bring out, I not think, I know that I want to bring out to my kids that you don't compare yourself to other kids don't compare yourself to other people of what they do and how they do it, how they talk or how they look or whatever, because God didn't create you to be that person. So this is silly, but just work with me. And I just ran and grabbed all this out of the kitchen just for, for the fun of it. Every one of these things have a similar purpose, but they were distinctly made different for specific task. And if one starts saying to the other, I am not like you. I wish I was like you, and I wish I had these marks, and I wish to whatever. And that's what happens in our culture today. We start comparing ourselves to one another that we, we wish that we looked different or acted different, and then that's when we start pretending to be something that we're not. And young people do that all the time and, and try to fit in and try to be cool and uh, hairstyles, the hair colors, and well, you, you guys know what I'm saying. I, I don't have to explain it to you. It's just the, the styles of shoes, the name brand, the popularity or whatever. We try to do that. But then what happens is when I try to be this, when God created me to be this, that I can't be what I am created to be because I'm trying to be something else. And every one of these things has a purpose. And God was literally creating us to say, don't, don't get upset about the lines because I created you in the kitchen aspect of it. Just work with me. Use your imagination. But in the overall purpose of what he's trying to do, he made you distinctly different than them. And we, don't, we might not understand that, but where do we find our identity? Where do we find our understanding? It's in God. 
And, and I know I've done messages and things like this in the past and I've used different illustrations, but I think it's so important to, for us to understand that when God, the creator, gets his hand on you, he's able to do great things with you because he understands you. And the more you get, allow God to put his hands on you and to use you, the more you understand who you are. And then all of a sudden you find your purpose. When you find your purpose, you find fulfillment, you find joy, like I'm accomplishing something. But if we were using this to measure things, we're going to make a mess out of whatever we use it for. If we were to use this for what this is, we're going to make a mess out of whatever we do. And I think we have a lot of messes in life. Uh, it, they were, it was a created. You were created by God for a purpose. Some cups were created to hold hot water, to carry water, to measure water. Some were made for baking. Some were made for mixing. Jonah was made to be a prophet of God. And that's, that's why he was. That's why at the same time, when God came to him and said, Jonah, I've got an idea. I picked him up, and that's verse 1. I, you, you've got to understand that the, that the way that you're going to find fulfillment is by obeying and allowing God to use you in that way. But what did Jonah do? He ran instead. And I think there's a lot of people going through life unfulfilled, unsatisfied, not happy, because they're not being used by the they're not being used in the way that God created them to be. And so you can run in the world, you can jump on a ship, you can do your own thing. But I can tell you, whatever direction you go, you will never feel fulfilled. And, and just making applications just to this, guys. I was created by God, and I'm proud of this. I was created by God to be a dad. I know it. I, I, I know the love that I have, and I love the, I, the joy that I get from my kids. I do. I just, I dread my kids leaving. I, and I know I already got one out of the house, and you know, and life's changing fast, and Morgan is, Morgan filled out college applications, okay? My baby girl is filling out college applications. He said, that's really cool. Not to me. Not to me at all. I just like, you know, I try to get in and change things and say that she had all F's in school. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm like, I'm super proud of her and stuff. But I, I, I find, and, and let me tell you, because I'm, I'm stepping into the role of being a dad, because I'm doing that, I find joy in being a dad. I find joy in my kids and watching them grow up. Because why? I was created by God to be a dad. Amen. So when people have kids and they're not involved in their kids' lives, and they were created by God to be that dad. And then, and then life is always miserable, whatever. I don't know why God doesn't love me. Why, but do what you were created to do. Thank you. Do what you were created to do. And, and it's, just, it's the same thing as I was created to be a husband. I love my wife. Right now it's miserable with her being in Cleveland and, and, and the separation. And I, I can only talk to her at night through the phone and things like that. And just, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm un happy right now. And if, if you understand my heart with this, just because I, I, I enjoy her being in my life and being able to come home and sit down and have dinner and stuff like that, because I was created by God to be a husband. Now, let me tell you, if I stepped out of the will of God and tried to do my own thing and try to live my own way, I will be unfulfilled because I'm not doing it. Now, that, that's the everyday application. And I'm saying that because that applies to every single one of us. Being a dad, being a husband is a biblical thing. But let's just bring it home a little deeper when it comes to this. We were all created by God to be Jonas to deliver the gospel. Not, not, you might not be a Jonah 
And you might not be a Stacy Barrett and you might not be a Pastor Matt Hodge. You might not be with whatever role that you have that God's given you because some people have that gift to work with kids and some people have that gift to be able to counsel and some people have the gift to be able to teach a small group or whatever. But whatever it is, I promise you it's to deliver the truth. That's what you were created to do. And I think even in churches that we feel like we're fulfilling our purpose because we attend church, you were created to do more than sit and soak. You were created to get up and go. And, and I truly believe that that is one of the main themes of this. Um, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God for his purpose. God was calling him because his talent, his time, everything belongs to God. But I think a, a lot of us are like Jonah that we run. So just tying in the story, if you guys will help me. This does not go well together. And this is what happens. As we get off track, and, and let, can we just use this as an illustration of the belly of the well? or running from the Tarshish or whatever, or the prodigal son getting into pig pen or whatever. We just make a mess. And, and that, that's, that's, that's simply what we do. We get off track. Jonah gets up. He, he, he got in a mess. He looked for the other way. He was thrown overboard. He's talking to people in the middle of this storm, telling them that I worship the one true God, the one that made the heaven and earth. And you guys you know, the, the story that we studied at the beginning of it, and they're like, then what are you, what, why is all this happening? And, and, you know, I think we confuse people because here we're in a mess, we're making a mess out of our lives when we should be the ones being used in the kitchen for the glory of God. So why do we do this? It's our flesh. I don't, I don't know any way to put it. It's, we, we don't find what we're looking for in the world. It's we, we, we don't find it any of these things, and, and, and we just get off track. This, this is Jonah. This is the prodigal son. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. This is Peter denying Christ. This is just go through the Bible. There's lots of illustrations of just making a mess of your life. And anyone that gets away from the glory or from the purpose that God's called you to do, you'll end up there. But this is, that's not, and I'm just kind of reiterating the story, but this is, this is where we get to. So help me. Getting into what we're talking about today, you were created by God for his pleasure, but you are, you are restored by God for his pleasure. God saved Jonah, not just because, and I want you guys to get this, God didn't just save Jonah just because, I need you to go preach. God saved Jonah because I love you. And when God goes after us, when we're in a mess, it's because God loves us that much to try to pull us out of the mess. I love the story of Peter about how he denied Christ three times, and I go fishing, and he's doing all those things, and, and who was on the shoreline reaching out to him? It was Jesus. And I can tell you when, when, um, when David sinned with Bathsheba, and God sent the prophet to tell him about the sheep, and how you've taken the wine, and da, 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 you know, the, the story and everything, God was seeking to restore him. I, I, could, I, I don't think there's a story in the Bible that I could go to that, I'm not ex, or that doesn't explain to us of God reaching into their lives to restore them. Because God loves us. And you might get off track, but God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't turn his back on us. God doesn't, 
leave us in the trash in a sense or make a mess of our life. Don't, don't read into this story. I'm not saying you're trashy because you get off. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I, I'm just saying that we get, we get into not where we should be, okay? We, we, we mess up our life and things like that. But let's, let's review a little bit from the last lesson. And I'm just tying this back together because, I don't know, this just really stuck out in my head and I couldn't get away from just this thought of illustrating this. And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly, he cried, and he heard my voice. So you're talking about this restored relationship. And I know these are some of the things that happen. But let me show you what God is doing. God is reaching down into the pits, literally doing that. And God, through conviction and through the word of God and everything, he begins to clean us up. And that's just what he does. This is the restoration. It's like, I've made a mess of my life. Now, there's still scars and things that we have in our life, and we all know that. You know, there, there's mistakes that we make that we can't go undo. But God doesn't just leave you there or put you out and just say, I'm done with you. He says, I cried out of the belly, and thou heardest my voice because he cares about you. He refocused his attention, and this is all from last week's lesson or week before lesson. Then I said, I am cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards the holy temple. He, he refocused his attention and you're saying, how do I get back on track? Just start looking up. Jonah didn't do that through the entire story. Thinking God's done with me. God's not done with you. He's trying to get your attention. Renewed his mind. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came unto thee. I, I, I called unto God. I matter to God. I know that I'm going to acknowledge that. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving I, I will pay that vow which I have vowed. I will pay which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And literally that surrender of, Lord, I will do what you want me to do. I'll go back to whatever. And here you are through all of those things as we restore our life. God's just reaching in and God's just cleaning us up. Why? Why does God do that? To bring us back to purpose. But in our minds, a lot of times when I've messed up, and I got pregnant out of wedlock, or I have a record in my past, or I, whatever it is. In our minds, we're almost like, you guys know what I'm saying? Like, God can't use them anymore. Now, there, there might be things that changed in their lives or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, what God was doing with Jonah was not like, okay, you're going to go back to your home city, and you're going to sit there and learn your lesson, or I'm going to put you on a shelf. That's not what God did. Not whatsoever. So here he is. You guys ready for this? This is, I, I did all that for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, you just dirtied up all the kitchen dishes for this one point. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because this is it. And verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Help me with the next words. Second time. Isn't that awesome? I, I just, I think that is... Yes, it's about Nineveh. Praise God, it's about Nineveh. But it, I think it's whoever you are, wherever you're at, I don't care what you've done, God goes and like, let's go. Let's get out. And, and God spit him out of the whale. I don't know how to illustrate that part. Um, but God spit him out of the whale. <laughs> like, put him there, and God's literally on the shoreline going, do you know why you were created for this reason? I want to use you for this reason. We're going we're gonna to do this. I, to bring you back to that fulfillment. God is the God of second chances. But I, I don't know. I think we say that 
but I don't know how much we believe that. I, I, maybe, maybe even for ourselves, in the back of our mind, I, I know certain people that I, I work with and counsel with and things like that, and when they're being called into doing something, man, they struggle so bad with the idea of, oh, man, I just, if you knew, Pastor Tony, the things that I've done, if you knew, if you knew, I'm like, I don't know. God does. And, and God's not done with you. And I think that's spiritual warfare. I mean, can you imagine Jonah getting out and falling on the shoreline after all that happened? It was like, well, God's done with me. That's not at all how the story goes. That's not how the story goes. God is a God of second chances, and he did all of this for the glory of God. It's not only that you are restored for the pleasure of God. You were created for the pleasure. You were created for purpose. Let me just show you this. You were restored for his pleasure. You are restored for his purpose. That is where we're going with this. Jonah was split on the shore, and God was waiting for him. Let's go. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, does this verse sound familiar? Verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and preach. <laughs> does it, where, where does that, has anybody heard that before? That, that's it, chapter one. <laughs> that's how we started this. We might change, but God does not. We might mess things up, but God is, God is waiting there to restore you. He's just like, hey, I'm, I'm still want to use you in the same way. God, it's, I, I don't know. I just think this stuff is so cool. It, the second part of the verse unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He said, literally, Jonah, I just, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it all. Just take this and go give it to him. Take this and go give it to him. That's what I'm asking you to do. Just go give it to him. It's that simple. You don't have to change their hearts. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to pre-plan what they're gonna do or how they're gonna respond. And just go give them my message. And here's, you talk about restoration. So Jonah rose up, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, I know we all know this is true. Can you imagine if chapter 1, verse 3 said, So Jonah rose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord? We could have skipped chapter 1 and 2. <laughs> How great would that have been just to go straight to it? it was, you know, but, we would have, but then we'd miss out on the cool story of telling everybody about Jonah and the whale. We would. But so... Um, so Jonah now runs to the wicked. He runs to the broken. He runs to the confused. And I, I just, God, God has a plan. And you might be chapter one where God's calling you and you're like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I say that as a dad. I say that as a Christian. I say that as a, a spouse. I say that wherever you're at, whatever, are you, are you going to jump into what God's calling you to do? Or are you going to run in the opposite direction? But you're making a choice to, to be fulfilled or to be used in the way that God created or, or to run and feel empty and just mess up your life. That's, that's what it is. Because I promise you, outside of the will of God, you will never feel fulfilled in life. You just won't. So I close with this and just asking the question this. I, I don't care how you've hit bottom. If it is going to jail, you've been arrested, you've had an abortion, you've been divorced, hooked on drugs, sold drugs, I don't, I mean, whatever it is, lost your family, whatever, I promise you that, that God is a God of second chances, not just to restore you to, for his pleasure, but to restore you for his purpose. So let's close with Psalms 51 verse 12. 
He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Now, I'm going to ask you guys right now, what, what is so cool about that passage, the phrase that I just read? What, what, what stands out to you in that verse? He didn't, say restore his he didn't say restore his salvation. He said restore what? The joy, the joy of the salvation. And, and I, I, I think a lot of us, I think uh, we, we get into situations where we get away from God and we're just not happy. Just not happy. And, and, and I mean, let me tell you, you don't have to be in the whale at the bottom of the ocean to feel this way. You can be sitting in a church and feel this way. You just, you're just missing out. He said, restore. What does the word restore mean? To renew, to bring back. So I, I, I think it's important for us to understand that it's backsliding or whatever it is, sin or whatever, restore unto me. And then it says the joy, which is cheerfulness, it's, it's gladness, it's, it's that inner peace. 